Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. Over 40,000 people have listened to Mark G. Richardson's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. I'm excited about this year and our format for Remodeling Mastery because I'm not only focusing on continuing talking about some of the themes that I think are really relevant and help you take your business to the next level, but also we're integrating in some interviews, some interviews from some thought leaders that really have experienced, I think, a tremendous amount of success and growth in business. And I think you can, you can glean some of those nuggets. And later in the episode, I'll introduce you to that. Additionally, I'm also bringing in, I think, some experts, some industry sages, some folks out there, including Erica Taylor with Professional Remodeler, as well as Kermit Baker with Harvard, to really share some of the kind of the key little indicators and what they're seeing out there in the marketplace. This podcast series is supported by many, but I want to highlight just a couple. One is the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. You know, it's so important, I think, that you actually get involved. Life is too crazy. It's too difficult to crack the code on your own. And the National Association of the Remodeling Industry is one of the many organizations that's really a opportunity and a community that you can really start to improve and take a pulse of really what others are up to. The second is my friends at Professional Remodeler. Now, I have a deep relationship with Professional Remodeler and Professional Builder in terms of writing columns for them. So I encourage you also to really read the magazines because it's also an opportunity for you to glean little nuggets and insights and topics that really are relevant to you. But also certainly not last, but last but not least is my friends at Surefire Local. They're a digital marketing organization that I think is one of the areas in business today that may be one of the more important, but also it's one of the more confusing ones, I think, for many. So I encourage you to not only reach out, certainly to them, in terms of their connection to this podcast series and the availability of my books that they'll send you on all that, but also to kind of understand and educate yourself more on digital marketing. So with all that being said, you know, I just literally listened to my podcast that was the latter part of 2018 that was titled Positioning for 2019. And while oftentimes either as an author or as a podcast host, you don't necessarily go back and study what you've done in the past, I will say that was probably one of the best podcasts that certainly I've done in terms of giving tips and advice of how you position, how you think about the the future. So I encourage you, if you do have a chance, subscribe to this so that you automatically get these podcasts so you don't have to be nudged. Go back and listen to that one in particular. I think it'll really help you as you get into 2019. So my little theme today that I want to spend a few minutes talking about is titled, Are You Ready? And as you think about this, are you ready? 
When you go into a client meeting, you want to be prepared. You want to be ready to go into that client meeting in terms of being able to present your insights and your advice and your ideas and certainly even have some strategies, almost like a chess move of how you're going to go about moving that forward to ultimately end up getting that project. Are you ready if you're jumping out of an airplane? If you've ever parachuted, you want to make sure you're ready. You're ready in terms of making sure that you have all of the, the, the notions in, ahead of you of what exactly you need to be doing. You need to not only think about it, but you also need to make sure that you're safe and you're ready and you've done all the things to reduce any risk in the process. But are you ready is also about how you get into 2019. Now, you know, one of the interesting things about 2019, most of us are used to making New Year's resolutions. However, I read a statistic not too long ago that said 92% of New Year's resolutions actually fail. And they don't fail because they were stupid ideas or there wasn't the right kind of fundamental motivation at the time, but they really fail for a lot of reasons. So as I think about this topic of are you ready, I really look at, look at it and break it down into three kind of fundamental parts. Now, I encourage you, if you're listening to this, you know, to, to potentially, as you move into 2019, there's nothing wrong in January to push the pause button and actually go back if you have to and rewind a little bit. So the three key things, I think, in the theme of are you ready are one is taking inventory of the past, two is plan, and three is the launch. So let me just unpack real briefly each one of those. And again, I encourage you to go back and think about some of these things on your own. Number one is on the inventory. So three things I want you to think about with inventory. Go back and look at 2018 and maybe even 2017 and actually study the numbers, study the tea leaves. You know, the numbers don't lie. The numbers relate to a lot of things in terms of your close rate, in terms of your sales, in terms of your average tickets, whatever they happen to be within your business or with even in your life. Go back and study the numbers. Two is take a hard look at your time. Now, time is one of those glue common denominators that exists with all of us. And I think if you can just take a little bit of opportunity to look at your time, I think you're going to be more successful. Again, I've talked about this in the past. I've had multiple podcasts on how to control your day or understanding time mastery systems. Uh, Again, my friends at Surefire will be happy to send you my book on this subject. But the second thing is take inventory of your time. The third is ask yourself a lot of questions. Now, it's been said, if you don't know all the answers, at least know the good questions to ask. There's a lot of good questions that you can ask yourself. You know, what would I like to do more of or less of? You know, what is the good, bad, and the ugly? You know, look at kind of this, you've heard a SWOT analysis as it relates to your business, the strength, weaknesses, opportunity, and threats, but try to look at that same formula as it relates to your own lives as well. The second in terms of getting ready is the whole notion of planning. Now, you're very proficient, most are, are planning projects. You know, you wouldn't go out there, for example, and renovate someone's kitchen or build an addition or a deck if you didn't have the proper plan. That's kind of 101. It's very basic. 
The client would certainly wouldn't be happy because you're going to be making more mistakes. You're going to be unpredictable, and you kind of design as you go, and it just who knows what the outcome's going to be. Well, the same kind of thing I think holds true when it comes to yourself. You've got to focus on creating a plan. You know, what is your business plan? What is your personal plan for 2019? Now, I've talked about this subject a lot. There's a lot of tools out there. But the bottom line, if you fail to plan, you're going to plan to fail. So don't do that to yourself. It's not a difficult process, but try to take time to plan. And the number three is focusing on the actual launch. Now, this is actually, believe it or not, where most people fail. I'd say more people fail because of a poor launch or how to go about understanding the launch than they do taking inventory or certainly in the planning step. So as you think about that subject, I heard, for example, a wonderful little adage and as it moves into the new year, and that is think big, start small, and act fast. Now, the thinking big part of that kind of little formula, you've hopefully done already. You've done it over the holidays. You've thought about it. You've had discussions with your team and your family. So you hopefully have these big kind of audacious ideas and goals. So that may be done. But most importantly, when it comes to the launch, you got to start small. You got to start with baby steps. You know, I've certainly experienced this for myself. I get so enthusiastic about something, I want to dive in in a big sort of way, and then all of a sudden, two or three weeks into it, fizzles out and fails, and only failed because I started too big. So start small. Try to take one element of it and have a defined amount of time. Maybe it's January that you're going to work on that one element. And then have in the queue what part B is in February and part C is in March. The third element of that little adage is act fast. Now, you can sit here and plan, and you can put it off and put it off, but if you don't act fast, what's going to happen is you're not going to really come out of the gate as strong, and you'll already fall off the wagon and start to slip. So I'm a big believer in that launch. What you want to do is be aggressive but realistic. It's two very important words that kind of are the yin and yang of each other. Aggressive means that you have the edge. Realistic is that you're, you're taking everything into account. So try to think in terms of this particular launch. Do, tr- th- weave in the power of three. You know, three goals, three actions, three little things. Don't try to do more than three. Maybe you only do one for many people. So in closing with this, you have to get ready. If you come out of the gate and you focused on the inventory, you focused on having a good little blueprint and plan, and then you come out of the gate with a launch, your likelihood of success is going to be so much greater. So I want to thank you for this little theme or little element of the day. And I want you to really hang tight here because this podcast series is exploding to a very different level with having conversations with really important people like Kermit Baker with Harvard University, as well as some of the thought leaders out there that are really out there making it happen. So again, thank you for my little theme at the beginning here, but we'll roll right in shortly to the next segment. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery, but just as much I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. 
And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Modeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly, reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that'll be able to help you with your business. Hi, Mark Richardson again, and we have a new segment with Remodeling Mastery that we're quite excited about. A lot of things happening out in the industry. It's very critical that everyone keep their ear to the ground. So this segment's titled, What's Happening? And my guest today is probably one of the leading thinkers in the remodeling industry, Kermit Baker. Kermit is the chief economist for the AIA, as well as he heads up the Harvard's Remodeling Futures Program. And today I want to ask Kermit a little bit of what he's kind of looking back at 2018 in that rearview mirror and certainly what he saw, but helping everybody make some sense out of it. So welcome, Kermit, and thank you for joining us today. Mark, glad to be with you today. Great. So let's take a look at the rearview mirror here. I think everybody obviously is focused on the future, but you know, looking back at 2018, how would you kind of summarize kind of that year in the home improvement or remodeling industry? Well, you're right, Mark. We need to we need to figure out where we've been before we can figure out where we're going. And 2018 really has been a good, solid year for home improvement activity. You know, we estimate um, that we're probably going to see seven and a half to eight percent growth once we get the final numbers in for the year. Um, really healthy numbers, and on top of that, coming on top of a string of. Uh, uh, good solid growth in the industry really coming out of the last recession. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a good spot in the industry now, you know, he- healthy growth remodelers are feeling good. Uh, consumers are feeling comfortable about undertaking projects. So I think, you know, just a nice place to be. So when you kind of look at that and obviously seven, 8% kind of levels of growth are, you know, not only, you know, solid and significant, if you had to kind of isolate the why behind it, uh, what are maybe two or three factors that you think were the real drivers for that healthy growth? Well, the top of the list, I'd put um, good solid house prices. House prices have been increasing. They're now back to where they were before the last recession hit. So people feel good about investing in their homes, number one. And number two, they've got some equity to tap into if, if they want to finance a home improvement project through through home equity. So that's really that's really pretty critical for a good housing market. Secondly, I'd put consumer confidence kind of related to that. Um, you know, they're just, they're just feeling comfortable about things, uh, feeling good about the economy, uh, feeling good about, you know, how they're doing. Um, and, and, you know, that's really pretty essential for, uh, you know, undertaking a uh, home improvement home improvement project too. And and number three is kind of related is the jobs market. You know, we're seeing sort of record low unemployment. Uh, 
Um, we're seeing good, healthy job growth. We're starting to see some wage increases across the economy. So people got more money to spend on projects. So, you know, kind, kind of just a nice situation to get them engaged in market activity. Now, in 2018, we saw some movement in terms of interest rates. Did that have kind of a, a, a negative effect on what those ultimate numbers were in 18, or did it kind of mainly affect the new housing market? No, I think we also saw it on the home improvement side. You know, if you're financing a project, it's it's generally tied to short-term interest rates, and the Fed has been raising those, so um, it, it it's more expensive to undertake a, a you know take out a home equity uh, loan or a home equity line of credit. Um, you know, it's offset by you know having more money, uh, growing incomes, and things like that. So they do balance out to some extent, but I think that's certainly an indicator that there's going to be a, a bit more in terms of headwinds moving forward as these rates continue to ratchet up. Now, the whole issue of certainly the political environment and certainly the the nature of, you know, the immigration and uh, the labor shortage that's out there, uh, is that kind of a factor that, that you think is kind of critical moving forward? It, it's becoming a pretty serious problem. The whole the whole labor issue. Most contractors are just having difficulty um, getting labor um, and expanding their workforce. And as you suggest, uh, immigration's a key issue there. About thirty percent of the construction workforce nationally are immigrants. And uh, to the extent that there's uh, concern about immigrants coming into the country. Um, or, or you know, potentially you know, working in, in, in the economy. I, I think that's going to continue to slow uh, the growth in the in the labor force, and that's beginning to uh, cause a bit of a slowdown. I think, or or at, at least uh, some concern about how much growth we can see moving forward. Excellent. So, Kermit, thank you for joining our segment today on what's happening, and I look forward to. Uh, tapping you on the shoulder in the future and uh, certainly giving us a little bit more of your ear to the ground. Uh, so thank you again for joining us today. Mark, great to be here with you. Would you like to learn about the 10 ways to position your home improvement business for success in 2019? Then register for Mark G. Richardson's webinar and get a free copy of his best-selling book, Fit to Grow, the 12 business themes for growth. You can do so by emailing marketing at surefirelocal.com or calling and texting 571-327-3391. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery, and I'm excited uh, to have a conversation with a good friend and certainly a thought leader, Brian Gottlieb, who is the founder and president of Tundraland, uh, which is a remodeling organization that is based in Wisconsin, and I'll certainly allow uh, Brian to expand on that. But what I encourage, I think, the listeners more than anything in this particular segment of Remodeling Mastery to not only listen to what I think is a pretty interesting story, but also to reflect on how does that overlay or compare to your path? You know, what are some of those lessons learned? How can Brian try to help you avoid some of the mistakes that sometimes remodelers tend to make. So with that being said, Brian, welcome to uh, Remodeling Mastery. 
Mark, Mark, thanks very, very much for the invite. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, my, my pleasure. So let's start kind of more broadly. Obviously, I want to take it down a path of more talking about you and certainly your journey, but let's talk a little bit more of who uh, Tundraland is. Matter of fact, as I was thinking about that, I'm not sure you've ever explained to me even the, the roots of the name of your company. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The roots of the name, I appreciate it. Yeah. So Tundraland, by the way, is a, is a home improvement company, and we specialize in American-made products. We do a ton of bath remodeling projects, uh, replacement windows, uh, uh, decks in a day, uh, and, and just all, uh, so real, real home improvement products that usually can get done in a day for people. And that's really the specialty. And we also, we're also uh, heavily into the aging in place business. So, so that, that's what the business is. Well, that's not truly what defines us as a business. But before I get into that, I will tell you where the name came from. So when I was, you know, it's all about how do you find a name.com that makes sense, right? So what I tried to do is I tried to put two words together that didn't normally fit. And since we're in the, the frozen tundra, I thought, well, why not tundra land? And that's in tundraland.com was available. So I, I grabbed that and then I picked up the telephone and I, I dialed 1-800-TUNDRALAND and this guy out of, uh, this guy in the South answered, he had a plumbing store and I asked him if he wanted to sell his phone number and he said, sure. So now we have 800-TUNDRALAND, tundraland.com. <laughs> that's where it came wow. from. Wow. <laughs> what a great, yeah. what a great story. So, uh, with all that being said, let's let's dive into Brian Gottlieb's story. How did you uh, how did you kind of get this thing out of the gate? So Tundraland started. So let's back up. You know, before Tundraland, I, I started in the industry uh, like like a lot of people doing construction work, and and I had back surgery years and years and years ago. So I had to I had to put down the hammer. And, and pick up the textbook. So it was a big transition for me because I could no longer work with my hands. My body just simply couldn't do it. So I, I started uh, learning about sales and, and, and studying sales and, and became a salesperson. And next thing you know, I'm a sales manager. And, and, and it eventually led me down the path of being a consultant in the industry. And as we both know, in 2008 and 2009, a whole lot of companies went out of business uh, in the home improvement sector. It was a, it was a tough time. And as a consultant, throughout my years, one of the great things, and you know, you've visited a lot of companies as well, that there's a lot of great stuff we can learn from a lot of really, really smart people. And there's also an equal list of things that, wow, if I ever have a business, I'm never going to do that. So it was really me getting my PhD in business by visiting with other companies. So in 08 and 09, as these companies around in Wisconsin kind of fell off, uh, there was a Four Seasons Sunroom location that became available in our market. So I decided to, well, why not just create a local business, something a little different, because after all, when a lot of people are out of work, that means there's some great craftsmen looking for something to do. So on, 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 in the back of a friend's warehouse, on a plastic folding table with $3,000 in cash, I opened up Tundraland, and that's how the business started. We haven't looked back Wow. <laughs> what, what, what a great origin. Now, Kind yeah. of move fast forwarding it today because that was you know almost or about ten years ago, right? Uh, what 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 is a snapshot of you know just roughly the scale and the revenues of of Tundraland today? Yeah, so so today Tundraland, while we cover the state of Wisconsin, we also opened up in the state of Arizona, and wow. on January second we open up the, uh, covering uh, Long Island the five boroughs, Westchester and Rockland County uh, with uh, 
So, so we continue to grow. And as we were building out our 2019 Performa, our conservative goal is $50 million, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> it's been a fun ride. It's been a fun ride. Now, one of the things that I, I find kind of interesting is you even use this term. You kind of put down the hammer and picked up the textbook. One of the things that I know you've always had a real thirst for learning and improvement. And, you know, as, as you point out, when you were a consultant or certainly, you know, as I get out and advise people, I think a fairly common question I get is, you know, how do I take my business to the next level? Where do sure. I learn this stuff? Because, you know, the reality is remodeling university is, you know, compared to other uh, programs just doesn't exist. So how would you kind of recommend or advise people to just learn more about some of the keys to success and how to take your business to the next level? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, there, there, there are a lot of ways, in my opinion, that, that there's how do you take it to the next level and then how do you really explode it? So taking it to the next level, the first step is obviously, in my opinion, uh, listening to podcasts like this, reading as much as you can, and, and hanging out with, with like-minded individuals that are, that are growth-focused, that are, look, we, we, can, we can find plenty of people in this universe that are negative. Find positive people that are growth-focused, that believe that they can accomplish something fantastic in this world, and, and just, just, just hang out with them and, and be part of it. And, and because, because, you know, what we practice in life, we become excellent at. And if we practice hanging out with positive people that are growth-minded, we're going to grow ourselves, and that's really important. But I think the key to really exploding a business, you know, they say the Mark, they say that the two most important days of our lives are the day that we're born and the day we finally figure out why. And, and when we understand really our true point of differentiation as a business, as a business owner, and all of that, that's when the business goes, starts to grow exponentially. If I could share a quick story with you, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So. When, when, I was in, when I was doing consulting work, and when I started my consulting business, the, the name of my consulting business was Silverstone Training, and it was a sales training organization, and I thought, I thought I was a sales trainer. That's what I really thought I was, and I thought my point of differentiation was that, that, that I knew how to close. So I started surveying uh, all the, the people that went through the class, and I, 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 I kept a paper copy of every single survey. When somebody went through a Silverstone training class, I kept a paper copy. I still have that book today, and it's about three inches thick. And I, and I asked people, what, you know, tell me your impression of what you experienced. And I started seeing words like motivational, inspirational, all of these words that, that I never saw that in myself. I never, I never viewed myself as being an inspirational person. And I thought, well, if people are telling me I'm that, what if I start to really do more of that? And that's when I truly discovered my full potential. So I think it's, it's, it's a great experience that when we look inside of ourselves to find out who are we, who are we really, and we apply those principles, that's when nobody can compete with us. And that's how we build an, an enormous business. And I, I love, Brian, kind of your your you know, your why kind of question, but let's kind of turn that a little bit more. And if you can articulate it in, in, you know, whatever, a sentence or two, but you know, why Tunderland? Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? As, as a business owner, the greatest opportunity is to encourage and inspire another individual to accomplish something greater than they ever thought possible before. 
And the more the individuals in the organization grow, the more I personally grow. The path to me realizing my full potential lives through other people first realizing theirs. Excellent. Yeah, one of the themes, matter of fact, it's, it, it's certainly one I'm sure you live by, but I also, you know, spend a fair amount of time thinking about and writing and trying to coach with is it, you know, if you give, you get. And, right. you know, many people, you know, our parents taught us to be, you know, kind and generous and those kind of things. But I think that the aha for you and certainly something I discovered as well, that you giving is how you get, is how you grow. And if the more that you can motivate and give to others and help train others and help them be better, the more Brian takes his game to the next level. And, and it's been a secret of our growth in, in, as a business is that it's not just about giving of myself and, and growing people, but it's also about making a positive impact in the community that we serve. So as you know, we do a lot of community involvement. We do a tremendous amount of, 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 of good. Our, our, our mission statement is to do well and do good. It's our belief that, that the, the opportunity of business is to make a decent profit, but do so decently. And, and we prove that through our Tundraland Cares efforts and giving a lot back to the community. And we find that when we give to the community, the community wants to do business with us. So it just changes, it just changes the whole paradigm of, of how business is done. Now, you have a wonderful story that I'd like you to share with the listeners that uh, involves, you know, some of the old windows that you you took out, and it kind of ties back into this, you know, community outreach. Why don't you share that for the listeners? <laughs> yeah, that's great. So wherever possible, we try to prove our mission statement. So we try to execute on the idea of doing well and doing good. And one way is we, we look, how can we make a difference with the things that we're very good at? And, and we'll install about you know, 12,000 windows in people's homes over the course of a year. So normally what you do is you take the old windows out of the homes and you take those old frames and you toss them in the trash and they go off to the landfill. And we thought, you know, what a shame that is. And, and how, can we, how can we do something with these old window frames? So we started working with, and this has started a few years ago, we take the old window frames and we work with local artists, community members, and TV stations kids in uh, elementary school and high school and we create art projects and people paint and decorate these these old windows they repurpose them into beautiful pieces of art and then once a year we display these art pieces in appleton and we do a giant silent auction and the money raised 100 percent of the money raised goes to make a positive impact in the life of a deserving individual inside of our community uh, one year it was a fellow named john green who's been stuck in a wheelchair for over 40 years the money raised was actually able to help him get a wheelchair that stands up. And John can stand up for the first time in 40 years off of windows that would normally go in the trash that were painted by people in the community. So it's, it's just, those are some ways where we can say, okay, we can truly put our thumbprint on this universe today and make a positive impact while at the same time growing a business. Wow, what a wonderful story. You know, another element that I want maybe you to expand on and share that I know since I've gotten to know you, Brian, it's, it's one that I, that not only resonates for me, but I think makes so much sense. And that is your, your, your focus on speed as it relates to the remodeling process. Maybe you can kind of at least share uh, a particular division of your company that that's really your focus, but also, you know, 
maybe a, a, some of the results or some of the yep. outcome of, of, of that focus? Yeah, so it came from, as we were like a rapid growing company, to go from, from starting up on a folding table to next to a $50 million company, you know, there are going to be some bumps along the way. And as we grew, one of, the, one, of the, one of the complaints we had from our customer base was communication, not being great communicators. And look, that's probably true for just about most construction companies. There's a problem with communication. And we started throwing bodies and money at trying to solve the communication issue. And, and the more we grew, the more it still kept coming back to us. So we said, okay, let's just start over. How, what is the customer saying when, when they're talking about a communication problem? How do we solve that? And the answer is, we don't talk to them at all. In other words, if we install, if somebody buys a bath from us today, what if we can install it as soon as tomorrow? What does that do for solving the communication challenge within our organization? And then we started looking at, well, what does that do for cash flow, for a point of differentiation, for an operational point of differentiation? So whether it's a bath or our decks in a day program, if somebody buys a new deck on the back of their home, we can actually install it next week. And if somebody buys a bath from us, we can install it as soon as tomorrow. And it totally changes the, the relationship we have with our customers from a customer delight standpoint, but also, but also as a competitive edge that's very, very difficult to compete with. Now, you say as a competitive edge, how about some of the key metrics? Have you found that this kind of uh, uh, speed component has influenced close rate or gross profit yeah. or you know yeah. total revenues? Yeah, so, so check, check, check. Uh, all three. Number one, uh, so just imagine, here we are coming into home show season, and we've got 40-some-odd salespeople. And imagine you know, we can come to your home as soon as today and install your bath as soon as tomorrow. Uh, be, be, before, before they even are able to get a price from anybody else, the job's already finished. So from a, from a strategy standpoint, it makes a whole lot of sense. From a cash standpoint, cash turns immediately. So it's, 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 it's done and paid, and, and our salespeople love it because then they're paid also. So we're able to actually capture a larger, a larger margin. And, and the other great thing is because, because we have a model in place where we can install something as soon as tomorrow, if something does go wrong on the job, we probably have something in stock where we're not missing that install day, and we can put something right back in its place. So all the way across the board, it's helped with margin, it's helped with differentiation, and, and it's, just, it's just something that we really hang our hat on. And I'll tell you what, it took us a year to put this together, so it's not that easy to replicate, and it's really cool once you get it going, though. Excellent. Well, as I said, I'm sure there are a lot of folks out there that now not only are saying, wow, but kind of scratching their head to kind of try and imagine what they could be doing. So let, let's shift gears a little bit. I know sure. one of the common denominators, I think, in, in the certainly with any successful, you know, business owner is that they've, you know, stepped in a few potholes at times. They've <laughs> made a few mistakes. They've yeah. thought to themselves, crap, I wish I hadn't, have do hadn't done that. If you had to articulate, a, you know, one or two mistakes to, you know, those many people out there that are trying to avoid some of those potholes, what, 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 what would a couple of those be? Yeah, I think, I think probably the, the, two, the two biggest learning curves for, my, for our company, for, for myself personally, is it's easy in this business to mistake cash for profits, number one. And, and they're, they're definitely not the same. And it's really important to know the numbers of the business, how the business makes money, and understand that, 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 that 
cash is king, but profitability, a business must be profitable. So, but, but I, think, I think the biggest mistake we made as an organization was uh, early on uh, when we were going through rapid growth, we thought we, look, we were full of hubris. We actually thought we could do anything. And we thought we could open up anywhere and do anything. And I remember we opened up a location in our first expansion idea was to open up in, in Ohio. And don't ask me why we picked Ohio. It's not convenient to Wisconsin, by the way. There's really no good direct flight. Uh, and so we, we tried to open up a sunroom division in Ohio. And, you know, a year into it, we just fell flat on our face. I, I never realized the importance of replicating culture. And, and today we understand how important culture is in our organization and how absolutely important it is that when replicating a business, we must first replicate the culture. Because after all, and, and, and because that's truly our point of differentiation, it's truly at the core of our business, the thing that lets us stand alone. And we can, and we can never forget that. We have a saying around our company that when, when the conversation of competition comes up, we don't pay much attention to it because if our competition wants to copy our performance, they first have to copy what goes on inside of our people's heads. And, and wow. because of that, that's, that's that, powerful. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that, that was probably the biggest learning curve of the business. Yeah. And I, I, you know, related to that, I oftentimes, you know, with people kind of being so excited about multiple locations and what have you, Oftentimes, given the advice of number one, my rule of thumb is, you know, a remote location is three times as hard as the home base. Mm -hmm. And number two is I immediately ask is, who's the champion? Because the champion yeah. is the one that ultimately carries kind of the baton of the culture. And without that right champion within that satellite location, more times than not, you're going to be certainly challenged. You're absolutely right, and and without a doubt, you might have some short success, but boy, oh boy, you know, if, if culture will take a hard left turn without that champion. Great point. So, one of the things that I find is common denominator between, you know, kind of the most successful is the whole notion of uh, kind of mastering time and 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 the ability to kind of really plan properly for kind of the future. And I know, you know, you have some processes that you go through on an annualized basis. And I think, you know, why don't you share a little bit of that in terms of how you plan for the new year and how you think about things as you're moving forward? Yeah. So I, I think one of the, well, well, culture as a foundation uh, is exceptionally important. I think from a, from a, uh, from a talent standpoint and from 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 a, from a business standpoint the ability to predict the ability to be to, to predict inside of an organization is, is right up there as one of the most important things to do after all it doesn't matter if you run a business with a 7% marketing expense or 17% marketing expense as long as you can predict it and execute on it then you can build a business model around it so what what, what we really focus in on is setting up a tremendous amount of targets early on and then monthly and monthly and by month by month by month, seeing how close we come to our predictions and how accurate we are. And the more we do that, the, the better we become at predicting. And, and, and then the more predictable we are, the more we can then take some risk. So what I do every single year is it, it, usually around November, mid-November, uh, I, I take a, a, a stamp of the business. I take a, 
a picture of our website. I take our, uh, an image of our pricing book. I take what scripts are we using? What, what marketing sources are we in? What, what the, I even take a picture of, of whatever screensaver I have on my laptop. It's really a timestamp of the business. And I align it with what did I think, where did I think we were going to be and where did we end up? Because the more I do that, then the more I have faith in where I'm going to predict to. And, and the last thing I'll tell you is predicting and creating targets. It's not me living in, in, a, in an ivory tower somewhere. This is getting our leadership teams buy-in and participation and all that is so essential in all of this. And so it shouldn't be done alone. It should be, done, in my opinion, be done as a team effort. You know, I think what's powerful about that uh, approach is that it's also very scalable. As your company's small, and it might be that you're, for the most part, looking in the mirror doing that process and focusing on taking the inventory and predicting. As the company grows, you want to start to get your leadership team, even if it's two or three people at a time, but then ultimately it's very scalable to, you know, to, to, to what obviously Brian's been able to accomplish. So Brian, let me, let me ask kind of a, you know, a little bit of a question that I'm always a little bit curious about in that you've clearly been on a very interesting path. You've grown probably, I would argue, you know, in 10 years from, you know, kind of conception to, you know, roughly $50 million company, almost an unheard of kind of amount of growth. Um, how much of that do you think is kind of being in the right place at the right time versus, you know, just that, you know, you ground through it. You just, you know, you were smarter than everybody else that you, uh, you know, you happen to, you know, bring on board, you know, one of those franchise players that ended up, you know, just scoring a heck of a lot of points for you. But how much of it was kind of the, the the doing it and the hard work versus you know being in the right place, the right time? Yeah, I think the I think from a hard work standpoint, here here was the hard work for, and it, and it continues to be the hard work. The hard work is is you know do, doing the things that 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 we necessarily don't want to do, but are good for the business. So, by example, look, I'm a busy guy, I'm a busy guy, but getting away to conferences. Going to mastermind groups, uh, hanging out with peers—that's hard work when we're busy. But 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 yet, if I didn't do that, we wouldn't have grown to where we are today. You know, the hard work of of looking in the mirror and and constantly analyzing the business and saying, you know, what, what if I had to do this over again, what would I have done differently? Or you know, that's the the hard work is the personal development. That's where the hard work comes from. Then, of course, you know, the the luck side. You know, does everything work together? Do you have the right people? You have the right model. Can you attract people? Can you get people to, to really to really join you on a journey? And and are all things working together? Look, there are things we can control, and there are things we can't control. You know, we can't control what the economy is going to do, but we can control how we choose to react to it. So, so will a growing economy be better for our business? Yeah, I, I would imagine it would be, and that's probably going to require a little bit of luck. But from a business discipline standpoint. What will, we, what will we be okay if the economy pulls back? You bet, because we have good processes and systems and, and, and the ability to predict. Good stuff. So let's kind of move towards the close here. You know, you're kind of wearing a little bit of your kind of uh, speaker or panelist hat, and you're looking out to the audience, and you've got a lot of, you know, a lot of young faces, but also a lot of 
you know, one, two, three million dollar businesses that say, wow, I just can't kind of even imagine myself being up at where Brian is. What are some, you know, kind of tips or advice that, that, that you would certainly give them? Right. So, so when I started this business again with $3,000 in cash, and by the way, to this day, I haven't put another penny back into it. Never had to borrow a penny to grow it. So it's all been, it's all growth through, through, through the, revenue that the business has generated. But what I did do is I, I, from, from day one, I set up a separate account. And in that separate account, when I got a check from any customer, whether it was a $100 check or a $500 check, I took, or a $10 check, I took 7% of that check and I stuck it in a separate account. And that was my marketing money. And that was how I was going to market. So, so I always had marketing dollars so that I can continue to grow. And I think a lot of times companies, especially early on, they, 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 you get caught in this catch-22 where you have so much work that you, that you can't market because you're too busy. Then all of a sudden the work runs out, but now you gotta, now you got to scramble more work, and it's this catch-22 that you, you fall into. So it, to me, always set up a separate marketing fund. So you always have cash to keep that pipeline full. That's the first thing. And the second thing, the second thing, and I think probably the most important thing, is to understand that we, as whether you're whether you have one employee or or ten or a hundred or two hundred employees, we are in the business of growing people. That's that's really our business. How do we get others to really to really believe in themselves, to believe in each other, and 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 to challenge themselves to realize their full potential? And, and the more you do that, the more you bring somebody along on that journey, the more they're going to be dedicated to the mission. And, and, and the greater the business is going to become. It really just starts with one person and getting them to join you on a journey. And to me, that's the secret of business. Excellent. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, just not only going back to your why, very motivational and kind of inspirational for anybody listening. And I very much appreciate, Brian, you, you know, not only sharing some of these you know, kind of philosophies and beliefs, but some, you know, real tangible things that people ought to be reflecting on. So thank you for joining Remodeling Mastery and certainly joining me today. Thank you. My pleasure. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available in all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.